Hello and welcome to the Ocean Rowing Club podcast, where each week I will talk to a past ocean rower to get their unique view on the ocean rowing experience. My guest this week is Gabby Schenkel. Hi, Gabby. Please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Gabby Schenkel. I'm 44 years old and I live in Einsiedeln in Switzerland. It's about an hour from Zurich in the mountains. In 2019, I rode solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, I took part in the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge and my team name was the Swiss Ones. Why did you want to row across an ocean? There is no real why. It was a gut decision. I basically stumbled upon it because I was on the train and there was a newspaper on the seat I was going to sit down. So I picked it up and I read the headline, Start Delayed. And I saw four young men looking at back at me from the image. I'm like, what's delayed? What's the front page? So I um, I read the article and then Googled everything there was to Google about Atlantic uh, campaigns and the upcoming row. And then I got into ocean rowing and downloaded the app and I was a fan. And later on, um, read in an article about the four guys that was in 1718 edition um, that they would like to sell the boat and they would hope it became it becomes a tradition in Switzerland. And my thought was, duh, there's going to be a female team following suit. And I just contacted the team and I said, you know, I don't row, but if there's a team being formed, I would love to be considered. And things went from there. So there is no reason um, I can give you. It was a gut decision. But one thing I know is that from the moment I decided in my mind, I asked myself, would you do it alone? My gut told me yes. And that yes, without a doubt, never left me until I reached the finish line. I think I would not have left the harbor in La Gomera if there was any doubt ever during my prep. Tell us the top three highlights of your crossing. Definitely whales, people, and a little bird. So whales, I never, I've never seen a lot of whales. I've seen one whale, I think, on a whale watching trip with about 50 other people on a boat. But having a fin whale swim below your boat and um, not knowing how far away it is because the water is so crystal clear, it was totally exhilarating. A little bird was um, the reason why <laughs> the reason why it's a little bird was because it flew into my neck on day four, I believe, in the night, and it was a storm petrel which came to visit me up until the third day uh, before my arrival, and always approached me from from the right hand side, flew around my boat, and was sort of hanging in the air at the level of my head for a little while until it took off again. And the reason why I know it was the same bird, it started to get used to my oar and it didn't fly away when it came out of the water. Um, that was a highlight, sometimes three highlights a day because uh, it came by three times. But my biggest highlight was seeing people for the first time after 65 days alone out on the ocean. It felt like birthday, Christmas, Easter, and all those holidays together. And I choked up. I couldn't speak for the first moment when I actually saw human beings again. What was the hardest part physically and what was the hardest part mentally? 
The hardest part physically was not really the effort I had to put in, but how my body reacted. Um, one thing was my ass. It was hurting and the skin was not pretty. I had to take pictures of it so I could assess the situation. Um, also, the sun was sometimes just too hot and I it became blistery everywhere, like on my arms, my legs, everywhere. It was very, very uncomfortable. And mentally, the hardest part was not really being alone, but not being able to touch anyone. To physically touch a person for me was the hardest part. And it was kind of funny because I came back and the pandemic had just started and people wouldn't just hug me again like they would before. So this the situation kind of continued and I had to get used to it once I got back. Excluding people and pets, which three things did you miss most while you were at sea? Some of the things I miss most was not really the food. Uh, yes, of course, fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, I always craved. But what I really, really, really missed was dry sheets to sleep in. I hated being completely moist and kind of sticky at all times. I was never really dry on this boat and that was really hard for me. So I missed dry sheets and I missed dry clothes and that didn't feel sticky. Besides that, mm, yes, a real shower, of course, and quiet, peace and quiet. I had a couple of days where um, there was no wind. So it was pretty quiet during these days, but then there was always some clacking or a little bit of water still splashing against the side of the boat. And so the absolute peace and quiet of my own four walls at home, I never had. So I miss that. What training did you do before your row? The training I did um, was was interesting because I guess I'm I was a bit different than most ocean rowers. I learned how to row 16 months before I started rowing across the Atlantic, a beginner's class. And then with 11 months to the start, I started with uh, physical strength training, strengthening my abs, my back, my ass, all the muscles that I didn't really train when I ran because I only ran before. I was a runner and cut back on running drastically to almost zero, which was interesting, uh, a big change. I rode, so I did the strength training for about six weeks straight. And then I moved to a little less strength training, but a lot more on the erg and a lot more than on the lake. And when I rode between, I usually rode between one to 10 hours. So one to three for the most part, but then I also I would do eight to 10 hour rows on weekends. I would cut back on the strength training because I was exhausted anyway from from all the physical workout I did. With hindsight, I think it was it was enough training and the right type of training, especially because I didn't exert myself on the strength training and I didn't um, try to lift weights that don't really suit my body. I'm I'm not that big. I would I weighed 60 kilos, 58, 60 kilos when I trained, and I've been known to to react quickly when I overdo it. So resting time was was as important to me, although I did not get enough rest time in in my opinion. From all my sports years, um, I know how my body reacts. And so it was, it was okay. It worked out well. I definitely could have done more, definitely. But it was, for me, it was perfect. And for the row I wanted, it was also perfect. 
Did you suffer with any injury, sores, nasties, or sickness? I suffered uh, some injuries, sores, of course, and sickness. Oh, yes. Um, started out with sick- seasickness two hours into the row. I had a patch behind my ear, but I was very invested in partaking in uh, fish food production from the beginning. Um, about four days into my row, I started getting sick and had a super infection that needed antibiotic treatment. I must have had some really high fevers because I was hallucinating and I was at one point I was sleeping and woke up and I heard voices and I thought, why are they having a party on the pontoon right next to my boat and they're not even inviting me? How rude is that? And I opened up my hatch door, my hatch and I looked out and there was darkness. There was nothing and nobody to be seen. And then I realized, oops, all right, back to bed. Um, it took me a while to recover from that and was partially the reason why it took me that long. But um, yeah, something to, to talk about afterwards. Then, I, of course, I had the sores on my hands, on my ass. And as a late discovery, I had uh, when I capsized, I tried to hold on to the railing to the side of the boat and the force of the wave throwing me all overboard sort of uh, dislocated my shoulder quickly and I have a cartilage and a partial rupture of a tendon in my shoulder that will need to be pa- uh, be repaired this year. Which three songs remind you of your row? Uh, music in general was an, an important factor because I had nobody to talk to for the most part. Um, I had two satellite phones, both died. And the only way to communicate with land was via WhatsApp messages. I fortunately had a began, so music was um, playing most of the time during um, my rowing shifts. And my top three, my top song, top number one song is by REO Speedwagon, I Can't Fight This Feeling. The reason behind it is it talks about friendship becoming love and to me it was the same the same with with the sea. I wasn't really a fan of the sea. I thought the sea was hating me because the wind was blowing from one side and the waves from came from all different sides and they were never teaming up. They were never really helping me. I was frustrated a lot. And uh, many times I sang um, towards the Milky Way. It's time to bring this ship into the shore and throw away the oars forever. And I was imagining how I would throw those oars away and... Once I was in inside of Antigua and I I was nearly there, I had about three miles to go. For the last time, I sang it again, and I realized it's time. It is time to bring the ship into the shore, but the to throw away the oars forever. There's no more need, and the sea is my friend. Has become my friend. I really love the sea at the end. I loved it before, but. I can I can honestly say there was a transformation from from not really liking it to really loving it and this song captures it really well. Another song that when I hear it now still reminds me instantly um of my row is Boys of Summer but not the original version but by Canyon City. It just makes me feel the wind in my hair on my face and warm, perfect temperatures, not too hot, not too cold, just perfect. And reminds me of the very, very 
great cool days out there. And the third song that always reminds me of my row is Miracle of Love by the Eurythmics because I listened to it when I was really sad. And the miracle of love is actually not going to come back to me, I realized, but it's right there because one time I was listening to it and I was watching the sunrise and right in my field of vision, I saw um, a whale breach and just splashed down on the surface. And it brought tears to my eyes because it was just a beautiful moment. And so this song reminds me of the sad parts, but also the beautiful, at the same time, beautiful parts of my row. Did you suffer from any post-adventure blues? I didn't really suffer from any post-adventure blues. I'm an ultramarathon runner and I've never experienced that before. I guess it's because my focus is really on the task at hand when I prepare, but I also know it's there is more to life. I've always known there is more and I keep sort of my, my field of vision large. And I did have a bit of an issue to come back to society. Being alone for nearly 75 days makes it kind of hard to interact with other human beings on a regular basis afterwards. I was glad to be able to spend a couple of days on my own once uh, my family left from the island. I stayed on a couple of more days. And some days I would just sit on the balcony of my little hotel room and look out, look out to the water, to the harbor and just sit and just enjoy doing nothing, not having to row and not talk to anyone. Um, and then I would go out and have drinks and talk to other rowers or other people. And when I came back to Switzerland, 10 days later, we went into lockdown. And during those 10 days, the interest of the media was huge. And I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it because before I rowed, <laughs> the interest was very low. I guess people didn't think I could do it, but everybody was asking for interviews. TV came by to my house and just a lot. And I was kind of glad that after 10 days, everything stopped and I could retreat back to my little apartment with a balcony and look out and just read and not go anywhere. I wasn't physically fit to do any sports anyway. And I went on an occasional walk down to the lake, but not much. I really enjoyed not doing anything. It took me also a while until I managed to go through my video recordings. I thought I could just do the transcription of that really quickly and then start writing a book about it. I had to let it sit for nearly 12 months and then started doing it bit by bit. Sometimes would let it rest for another two, three months. And I finished about 20 months after my row and then wrote a book about it within three months. It was written quickly once I had the transcription and I had faced everything I went through. What advice do you have for future ocean rowers? I guess it depends. If you need sponsors, um, know that it will be difficult in some places, especially where an ocean row hasn't done before or not many people have done done it before. Uh, for example, in the UK, it's, it's better known. In Switzerland, um, I was the first woman to do that solo. And so people were looking me up and down and up again and asked me, so, so you have a boat right next to you, correct? And I said, no, no, solo, unaccompanied, independent, you know, all that stuff. And then they would still ask, but you have a motor or you have a sale at least, right? It can be tiring finding sponsors. So know that it can happen. Know it's tiring and also know to put in a lot of time that it will take time. 
If you're a team, I would strongly recommend doing team building as early as you can. Know your teammates' strengths and weaknesses and how to help deal with them when a difficult situation arises. As a solo, know yourself as much as you can and know also that as much as you can know yourself, this role um, will take you to places or your mind then will take you to places um, that are very dark and that you haven't visited ever or for a long time. For example, I was bullied in high school and I thought I had it put behind me, but it came back up and it came back up and it came back up. And even while doing the transcription, my hands started to shake again. So I was being transported back into difficult situations. So know that this will happen and be prepared to, to discover new sides of yourself. For me, it was, for example, was that I can scream very, very, for a very, very long time, very, very loudly when nobody's listening. And it releases a lot of tension. And it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling to just scream it out when frustration was building up to a level where I could nearly not take it anymore. Uh, another very practical thing I would um, I would uh, recommend is know your equipment inside out. Read the manuals, get acquainted with things, know how to fix them, have spare parts for everything. Think of solutions of possible problems that might arise because when stuff happens in the end, the solution is a combination of all the solutions that you came up with while going through the list of things that might happen. It really helped me deal with a lot of things. I even had a solution to fix a, th a possible third broken ore. I had broken two ores and I had two left and I had an idea to fix, uh, to make one ore out of two broken ores in order to avoid, for me to avoid having to uh, accept eight. So yeah, that feels good and it, it can be, it can reduce stress on the ocean. And finally, would you do it again? Not as a solo, no. Lasse, um, the Danish guy who wrote first as a pair and then as four and in the end as a solo was rowing in a team of four while I was doing the solo and he said Gabby you're doing the Royal League of Ocean Rowing um, to begin with you don't ever have to come back and I do agree with him but I probably would have to do it again if I hadn't looked at all the things that happened to me that came up um, during my row because it's very um, it's a moment moment of feeling light and heavy at the same time. And it's an amazing feeling of clarity that you get out there that you most of the time don't have when you're in, in real life at home, because you're always distracted by things that happen by people around you. And you're never really facing your own demons for a long period of time. And once you do it, and then you come back and you kind of close that door, you want to go back and open that door again. And I can imagine I would probably do it again if I hadn't written a book about it and really dug deep and faced my demons that came up. I guess the only way I would do it again, the only possibility would be if I was to be added to a well-functioning existing team where all the financials and all the time and energy consuming admin work is already taken care of. And I would pretty much only have to add myself to the whole setup. And I probably wouldn't want to do the Atlantic again. I probably would opt for the Pacific because 
you know, been there, done that for the Atlantic in my case. Huge thank you to Gabby for sharing her story and all of her advice. Her book is published and available to read if you can speak German. It is called Solo Auf See and hopefully one day an English language version will be published so I can read it. Not sure my GCSE German from 24 years ago is going to help me much. If you're an ocean rower and would like to share your story, get in touch theoceanrowingclub at gmail.com or visit Instagram at theoceanrowingclub. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to rate and review and give it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Like, share and recommend it to all of your friends. And don't forget to join us again next week when we go back 51 years to 1971 with one of the great ocean rowing legends. Toodle pip!